a radio show that confesses without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Now, the reason why Luther says we daily exercise ourselves with the catechism, we daily read a page of the Bible, of the New Testament, or the Psalms, or some other piece of the Bible, is because by it we beat back the devil. (laughs) There's no talk of relationship there. There's none of this kind of lavender-scented piety at all. (laughs) It says, look, either you're going to be chewed up and pooped out by the devil, or you're going to read the Bible. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, uh, I mean, that's how it's not really romantic at all. It's not wrong to talk that, that that God is here. It's just a question of how is he here? Is he here yeah. in my emotions? Do I feel his presence? Or do I know he's here because of his promise? And then over the face of this Moses, you put a plastic happy Jesus mask. Because this is what most people think of Jesus. <laughs> kind of a smiley covering up of Moses. The best thing to ever happen to Table Talk Radio was when Pastor Wolfmuller told me, uh, I'm willing to do whatever you want tomorrow on the show. And so, from this has flowed this uh, lineup for today's edition. I don't, I don't know if that's exactly how it sounded coming out of my mouth. It was more like, why don't you plan the show? <laughs> the way that I heard it was something like, you know, I'm sorry I haven't yielded to your production abilities sooner. <laughs> and and your lineup would really make it for the ideal show. Is oh mean, yeah, That's I was reading in between the lines a little bit, but that was implied. Um, <laughs> and that has produced the following lineup for today's edition okay. of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> After <laughs> emails and buzzwords, we're going to be playing the predictable pastor, everybody's favorite, a predictable pastor game. And uh, after that, we're going to be uh, doing some translation work, the translating evangelicalisms. We know it's hard being in the world of evangelicalism, and so we want to do our part to help out by uh, doing some translation work for you. And then the last segment of the program, we're going to be playing, (laughs) remember when we did this once? Uh, Random Theopedia article. Uh, no, how does that go? <laughs> well, we we uh, we pull up a random uh, we we pull up a random article from Theopedia, and then we uh, point out where it's wrong. So that ought to be oh. fun. How Look. do you get to the random article thing? By the way, <laughs> you, you better tell me this pretty quick. There's this shortcut key of Alt R on Theopedia, uh, so you, you can just pull up a random article. Nice. So, not bad, huh? So that's the lineup. But let's go uh, to buzzwords first. Pastor Wolfman, do you have a buzzword? Just now, mm-hmm. Alt R mm-hmm. yielded this radical orthodoxy. Ooh, interesting. Radical orthodoxy is a predominantly British postmodern Christian theological movement that takes its name from the title of a collection of essays published by Rotledge in 1999 called Radical Orthodoxy, a New Theology, edited by John Milbank, etc. Okay, that is just a preview of what you'll get in the last segment of the program. <laughs> that ought to be fun. Uh, the, I wonder what did they actually teach the radically orthodox. I mean, I, it seems like the word, you know, sometimes you can judge. Didn't we establish this in our last show that the the Calvinists need more adjectives than most? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember that? Mm-hmm. How they you, you normally, a normal person could have the word grace, but the Calvinists, you know, you have two adjectives, yeah. prevenient. 
uh, orderly, natural, universal, <laughs> whatever. Or orthodoxy. You have a radical, See, yeah. a generous. It seems like, it's, that's right. It seems like the word orthodoxy is just one of those words not needing too many adjectives. <laughs> like pregnant. <laughs> Very. I'm really pregnant. Well, good. Or the other one is dead. I'm really dead. Mostly dead. He's only mostly Somewhat. dead. Remember that from the movie? I am not dead yet. Okay. Uh, my theological buzzword for you is saint, and a saint is someone who is holy, a holy one. Uh, I remember back uh, a little earlier this uh, church year, we had uh, St. Michael on all angels, and someone asked me, why are we calling Michael a saint? And my response was, because he's holy just like you. Uh, and so we are holy in the sense that uh, we are baptized, clothed with the righteousness of Christ, declared righteous and holy by his promise. Uh, the angels are, are holy, I guess, by virtue of their uh, creation, huh? I don't know. Mm, I'd say. So, well, I would saint, say so. Saint is, now, this is different than you might encounter the word in, in other church bodies like the Roman Catholic Church uh, who have a, a, a process of attaining sainthood. Uh, performing a miracle and and some other things, so you have all these saints. I mean, you drive by a a uh, a Catholic charity or a Catholic church, and you're, you're wondering uh, who is that saint? You know, you know, someone you've never heard of before. Um, who's Saint Wolfmuller? I had never heard of that before. You know, so uh, uh, this is this is um, part of it. But uh, for, for the scriptures, a saint is simply one who is holy, uh, particularly through the waters of holy baptism. So let's go Got to the it. emails at questions at tabletalkradio.org. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hold on a minute. I'm, so you caught me in the middle of something. You want to know what I'm in the middle of? Let me guess. The answer is Checking I'm Facebook. working on this. No. I'm working on the algorithm for the Praise Song Cruncher. Whoa. Here's what I have so far. Ready? Parentheses. T plus 1 over 2, close parentheses, bracket, 4, parentheses, times 2 plus D, close parentheses, minus F plus C over 2, close bracket. I don't think that's how you verbalize algebraic expressions. Well, If we could, if we could have one of our um, listeners who's trained in these kinds of things to tell us the error of there, Pastor Wolfmuller's... Um, now, here, see, that, in fact, speaking of that, because this is the, one of the reasons why uh, we're looking at this, because everyone now is give, giving their own shot at the Praise Song Cruncher al- algorithm, including, I have now the email from Mark, who writes, Pastors Gagline and Wolfmuller, I've recently discovered the wait, hidden wait, wait. gem Wait, who did of... he put first in that? What, what was the order <laughs> he, there? I, he's, I, this guy is pretty smart. I think he was probably just putting it in alphabetical order. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Pastors Gagline and Wolfmuller, I have rec- recently discovered the hidden gem of Table Talk Radio from a new member of our church who just came over from evangelicalism. I'm intrigued by the praise song cruncher idea and evolution since I tried to do something similar a few years ago, and I agree it needs to be more complicated. That's what we're after, Mark. I'm glad you're with the spirit of things. Complexity. No simplicity here. That's right. Obnoxiously complex. I know you wanted a rocket scientist to work on it, but I was wondering if you would accept feedback from a nuclear physicist as well, since that's what I do. <laughs> I'd like to see if you could send over, Mark, if you could just send your curricula vitae, your, uh, you know that what that means, and your, uh, what's it called, resume. We'll see if you're qualified for such a complex task as writing a new 
Prey Song Cruncher algorithm. We're we're one of the only Lutheran theological game shows that have a crack scientific team. On staff. I know, I know. We got the we got Paul the astrophysicist, and mm-hmm. now we have Mark the what is he a nuclear scientist? Nuclear physicist. A nuclear physicist. Hmm. Anywho. Uh, I tried incorporating my previous version with your praise on Cruncher the game, which latter, and some of your other comments. And as such, there's a lack of actual content. It could be okay to listen in the car, just as a secular song. I also added in some things Todd Wilkin has talked about on issues, etc. Todd who? Um, Since I thought it would be good at getting something in there from someone who knew what he was talking about. What? <laughs> we should I'm find insulted. out who this guy is. I am insulted. He sounds pretty it's, good. I just don't know anything about him. Yeah. Uh, instead of points, I like to think of it more like a decision tree, a matrix to help you know if a song is okay to listen to, in what situations. If not, why not? It would also lend itself well to a mobile app. <laughs> Look at this thing. This is a, this I know. This is great. Oh, we got to post this up on the website, huh? Yeah. Uh, so uh, just to give the listener a flavor, uh, it's, a, it's a Q&A, and it goes yes or no questions. Does it mention God or religion? Yes or no. Uh, is it obviously a false God? Yes or no. And if it's yes, it's idol. Yes, it's idolatry. Don't listen. No. Then does it have mystical form or content? Yes or no. If it says yes, mysticism. Don't listen. No law and gospel. And then your options are present, present and properly distinguished, mixed up or absent. Uh, and then it says moralism. Don't listen. False teaching. It goes down for it. So here you could actually get down to the bottom, and your options could be acceptable for church. You answered a previous question wrong. Start over. <laughs> uh, uh, good, uh, good car listening or annoying Christian song with no content. Don't li- don't listen. <laughs> I like it. This is great. So we got a flow chart here. We can see if we can turn this into an algorithm, uh, and see if that would work. So I like this. this thank is good. you, Mark, yeah, for tuning thanks, Mark. for uh, for this. I appreciate it. We got that. another entry into the Prey Song Cruncher. We got time for this? Yeah, one minute. This is from the OCBTTR. That's our official Calvinist blogger, uh-huh. uh, Ruben. And he says, since you're test driving variations of the Prey Song Cruncher, I got a couple more ideas for you. One, the super strict Calvinist binary cruncher. <laughs> Question one, is it a psalm? No points for a psalm. One point for fallible word of man. <laughs> Question two. Does it use musical instruments? Zero points for a cappella. One point for idolatrous man-made instruments. <laughs> one point is sufficient for a crunch. I like it. Uh. And here's the pop song Praisinator. This is a kind of combination of the inverse of the cruncher and the sacred secular game. Take a pop song and test whether it's suitable for use as a praise song. For instance, James Taylor's How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You, which Ruben says actually is in the regular rotation of at least two churches that this author is familiar with. Or Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. You could also tackle the... You Tucarist, I don't know what that is. Have fun with those. Keep up the good or striving for mediocre work. OCBTTR. All right. Well, uh, we're going to, and I know I promised this last week, so I'll predict in the future I'll have this done, that on our website, tabletalkradio.org, we have a tab that says the Praise Song Cruncher, and you can check out all the various variations. Is that redundant? Various variations that have been sent in to us. very repetitive. Tabletalk Radio. We'll be right back.
best show ever. Table Talk Radio. Thankful for God's service through the pastors in your life? Then consider attending Christ for Us in the Office of the Holy Ministry, a conference of the Association of Confessing Evangelical Lutheran Congregations, this coming February 25th through 27th in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Visit our website at acelc.net for information on Christ for Us in the Office of the Ministry. Register online at acelc.net. First up in the Table Talk Radio Extravaganza edition uh, today is The Predictable Pasture. Uh, this is the game in which we uh, play a, a clip or a news piece, or actually I have all news pieces today, Pastor Wolf Miller. Uh, and this is where the uh, one of us, the pastor, gets to re- just make some comments to, to respond to this. And this is sort of our trick game to just try and talk about stuff. But it's also nice to... to, to <laughs> it's you also pull back the curtain like that. People would never know that the games are just an excuse. <laughs> Wait a minute! Don't we say that in one of our, our liners there that the games? Yeah, are but that's that's reverse psychology. Oh, that's right. Okay. If the games really were an excuse, <laughs> they wouldn't make a joke about it. <laughs> well, uh, in, I think the point that we're making with this, uh, maybe this is the facade. I'm not really sure, but the the point that we're making, I think, is that it's um, nice to have a pastor that is predictable. Because when you have a pastor who confesses the holy apostolic Christian faith, uh, then the responses to particular items and issues going on in the world should be the same. Uh, Now, of course, each person might have a various spin or a different way of articulating it, but the reaction should be pretty much the same. So we wanted to see how predictable we are. So, Pastor, for you, I have uh, several options. Let me just read through these headlines. You tell me which one you want to hear, okay? Okay. Uh, Times, Person of the Year. The India Supreme Court, Ban on Gay Marriage. Um, Atheists Raising a Stink About Christmas. Um, HHS Secretary Secretary Sebelius Grilled on the the Process of the Obamacare website. Or a... uh, a Christian school teacher fired when nude photos of her arise, probably on Facebook, but I don't really know. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. Uh, what about, let's do the atheists and Christmas thing. That's uh, always fun at this time of year. All right. Well, this is uh, Fox News reports, and this is one that we can kind of stop. It's a, it's a longer um, segment of a show, so you can just stop it whenever you're, whenever okay. you're done. Back in the book segment tonight, American atheists on the rise and some are attacking Christianity. According to a survey by the Pew Research Center, just 2.4% of Americans say they are atheists. Just over 3% say they're agnostic. That means they don't know. But about 14% are not affiliated with any religion. Now, in Times Square, this Christmas season this is an obnoxious sign put up by an atheist group that says, Who needs Christ during Christmas? Nobody. Blatantly offensive, totally unnecessary. Joining us now from Washington, Fox News political analyst Charles Krauthammer. So the rise of people who are not religious in America, does that signify anything? Does it mean anything? Oh, I didn't see much of a rise in those graphs. There was a tiny increase in the numbers of those who are unaffiliated. I think that's more of a statement about the churches, perhaps, than it is about atheism. I saw the lines about atheism and agnosticism. They were pretty flat. Look, the United States is by far the most religious country in the West. 
Uh, it's not even close. And I don't see any eruption of atheism upon the land. But they are very aggressive, vocal, well-funded, and they target. You know, this year, the, uh, since they got their butt kissed in the department stores, by me primarily, um, now they're targeting little kids in Minnesota and South Carolina, saying, don't you dare sing, oh, come, all ye faithful, or we'll come in and sue you. What is, what is the reasoning behind that? I mean, do you think they're going to get more recruits doing that kind of stuff? Well, uh, look, I, I think you've got to draw a distinction between the militants who want to stick a finger in your eye and who put up that stupid and offensive sign in Times Square. That's not exactly a persuasive piece of advertising. I don't think you're going to get a lot of people who walk by that sign, have an epiphany, and decide, oh, I think I'll give up God as a result of that. No. This is a small group of extremists. And when you think about it, you know, there are a lot of minority groups in the country that have their extreme elements. You've got the, you know, the tree huggers who have people who go out and who destroy a logging camps. You've got the animal rights people who break in NIH and let the monkeys go. You've got the vegans, you know, the extreme ones, who will undress in the middle of a city square. So you've got what people in a lot of minority elements who want to get attention or who want to be offensive. And you've got them among the atheists. But I would bet that the vast majority of atheists are silent atheists who move among us and don't announce it and don't wear it on their sleeve, simply have their own worldview and leave other people alone. No, I would agree. All right, let's, uh, let's respond to that. Well, there you go. I, I was, by the way, I was this morning in the Panera Bread. Is this on the predictable pasture list there? I was on the mm, Panera Bread. McDonald's. Dang it. <laughs> and I was listening to the Christmas music on Panera. And all the guys at the Bible study said, listen, they're playing Christmas music. I said, I'm going to lodge a complaint with the ACLU or whatever. Or what is the thing that you... Yeah, ACLU. The American Civil Liberties Civil, Union? Yeah. Is that what it means? Yeah. Because they're playing Christmas music during Advent. I mean, this is just so offensive to me. <laughs> Christmas music during Advent. <laughs> Have Merry Christmas, people say. What are you talking about, Christmas? It's Advent. Shh, it's a penitential <laughs> season. Be quiet. <laughs> I get so offended when the people at Walmart say Merry Christmas to me during the season of Advent. They have no idea. It totally, totally is a violation of my Christian understanding. I mean, this is just terrible. I, by the way, also think that with, you know, we got to keep the Christ in Christmas kind of business. I think there's a couple ironies there, and num number one is that uh, most Christians don't go to, cri to go don't go to church on Christmas. Is this true? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the reason why you have a holiday, a holy day, is so you can go to church. But most Christians are nowhere near the church on Christmas. I know that because I am at church. <laughs> and in fact, uh, in some cases, when uh, Christmas happens to fall on a Sunday. It's not uncommon for churches to cancel their services because Christmas is a family day, they say. That is the craziest thing of all. I mean, it this has the sometimes this has the same smell as those Christians protesting the tearing down of the Ten Commandments that couldn't name the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It's like I'm ready to be worked up to, into a frenzy. Now, the atheists are already in a frenzy. I mean, these guys, they're just obnoxious. I think it's nice to know that there's what, two point four percent? Atheists among us, 
I mean, atheists are about as easy to find as Calvinists. They probably, I wonder what the blog ratio is, atheists per blog. I mean, there's just, they are so loud. They are so small and so loud. Talk about a vocal minority is what these atheists are. And they're just out there to, I mean, and to making be And making really. headway in the name of political correctness, I might add. I mean, so, yeah. it, I mean, really, does it, does it, establish a religion if a uh, city hall building has Christmas music playing in their lobby. Of right. course it doesn't. Um, but but when this is uh, before a court, we're offending someone, so we have to do it for the sake of political correctness. Yep. Well, let's do one more. Um, Wait, did I say anything predictable? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't get anything. I thought what you, you think I would say? You might talk about the uh, um, distinction between atheism and agnosticism. Which oh, really isn't much. Um, talk about how people just want to be annoying and not really. Uh, you know, I, I guess as as have you ever noticed by the way with the agnosticism that the agnostics is almost always also a gnostic. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I haven't noticed fun. that. Yeah. Um, and then I thought you might talk about the kind of rise in new atheism versus the kind of the old atheism. Oh yeah. Kind of oh, that's true. You know, that's what motive. I should have talked about that because that's what motivates these these new atheists to be so controversial is that they are beyond the old atheists. The old atheists thought that Christians were wrong. The new atheists think that Christians are dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's that distinction there. Okay, so for the sake of time, I'm going to limit you to either uh, Times Person of the Year, India Supreme Court ban on gay marriage, or the teacher with the photos. Let's do, uh, let's do Time Person of the Year. All right. I wonder who that was. Time is named Pope Francis as its Person of the Year for 2013. The Catholic Church's first Jesuit and Latin American Pope has changed the tone of the Church, according to the magazine. Here's Time's managing editor Nancy Gibbs with more on the selection. He really, though, stood out to us as someone who has changed the tone and the perception and the focus of one of the world's largest institutions in an extraordinary way. After he succeeded Pope Benedict in March, the new pontiff called for a more modern Church. From gay marriage to poverty, Francis has taken on a more progressive stance on a range of social issues, signaling perhaps a new era of Catholicism. He made headlines this summer when he asked, who am I to judge in response to the future of gay clergy in the church? And he's won praise for his humility. He drives his own car, flies coach, and even carries his own luggage. Francis has also made clear he's everyone's pope. He's washed the feet of criminals, visited slums in Brazil, and most recently gained attention all over the world for this photo, showing him embracing a disfigured man. After Time's announcement, the Vatican released a statement Wednesday that read, the Holy Father is not looking to become famous or receive honors, but if the choice of person of the year helps spread the message of the gospel, a message of God's love for everyone, he will certainly be happy about that. The runner-up, whistleblower Edward Snowden. He, of course, is the man behind the bombshell revelations of the NSA's massive surveillance programs. Some have called him a traitor, others a hero for his decision to leak classified government materials. Also on time shortlist this year, gay rights activist Edith Windsor, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad, and Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz. President Obama held the title last year. For Newsy, I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, multiple sources of broader Newsy. <laughs> multiple no, sources. We, one news story. We, we have to go to a break. Newsy. We'll get to your comments on the other side. But I think that's a pretty 
uh, fun group of people. I wonder if they had a, you know, in, in the conference room, the Pope, Edward Snowden, Ted Cruz, gay activists. Man, that sounds like a joke without a punchline. Oh, man. Just Start like this show. radio show. We'll be right back. The Predictable Pastor after this. Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Thankful for God's service through the pastors in your life? Then consider attending Christ for Us in the Office of the Holy Ministry, a conference of the Association of Confessing Evangelical Lutheran Congregations, this coming February 25th through 27th in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Visit our website at acelc.net for information on Christ for us in the office of the ministry. Register online at acelc.net. So the popes, uh, Edward Snowden, Ted Cruz, and the gay activists all walk into a bar. <laughs> all walk into the Times lobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So you heard the it story. It seems like the what, per, the person of the year is more like the person who thinks like us award. <laughs> is that not true? The pope gets the award. I don't not know because of anything that is popey about him, <laughs> but because about everything that's liberal. Oh, yes, brother. granted, but uh, that wouldn't be true for Ted Cruz, and I don't, I don't know about Edward Snowden. I don't know uh, how the left press would fall on that issue. But uh, why don't you give us your comments so I can get some points what, here? So, what do we say about uh, Pope Francis? He was the first Jesuit, and he wants to modernize the church. I was meditating on this this morning, this conundrum, and that is how long will the Catholic Church be able to resist women pastors? women priests. Um, I, and I don't think it can be very long. The Catholic Church is weird. It, there's a couple great incongruities here. So on the one hand, they, uh, they, they defend the institution of marriage. At least I thought they did until this pope. On the other hand, they despise the institution of marriage, uh, for example, by priestly celibacy which is nothing more than a despising of marriage and God's gift of creation, etc., which is kind of strange. So on the one hand, they, they, they support the God's gift of life by their pro-life stance, and on the other hand, they despise it also by gay clergy, etc. Uh, there's also another strange phenomenon about the Catholic Church. So most people see the Catholic Church as a conservative institution, and in a way it is, but not in the way that a Protestant church is conservative or a Lutheran church is conservative. When we say that we're conservative, um, what we mean is we believe the Bible is God's word. But the Catholic church, I mean, here's a weird thing. The, most of the Catholic scholars these days are higher critics. I mean, they don't believe the Bible was inspired by God. Uh, they don't believe that the Bible is God's word, maybe that it contains God's word. But here's the really crazy phenomenon, is that nothing actually changed in the Catholic Church before they became liberal. <laughs> because even if they believed the Bible was God's word, it didn't matter for the teaching of the Church in the first place. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's tradition is what teaches, 
and not uh, and not the Bible. So so you believe the Bible is God's word. You don't. It doesn't actually, in fact, matter. So the Catholic Church is conservative in this way. Here's the big worst problem of all: is that the Catholic Church, in any number of ways in its doctrine, denies Jesus his uh, privilege of being the Savior because it takes our own grace-empowered works as meritorious rather than the death of Christ. Uh, and because of this, uh, we call the Pope, uh, we, well, the Pope has earned his own title of Antichrist because he stands in the place of Christ uh, and offers another way to be saved apart from the blood of Jesus or not solely dependent upon the blood and grace of Jesus. Uh, so that is, I think, what I think about this. Now, I don't know much about Pope Francis, except for that he seems like he's a socialist. But I guess that's what the Catholic Church wanted. I mean, it seems like they were kind of pushing towards that for a while now. So, hmm. Okay. Um, so I don't think I got any points again. You're not a very predictable pastor. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, totally unpredictable that time. <laughs> well, okay, so I, I'm, I kind of have contradictory points on this because... On the one hand, I had that the that the, the the Pope wasn't coming on and actually changing church doctrine, what like like the media is portraying that he has. Uh, I mean, what, what was this one where uh, Pope Francis said that we shouldn't we shouldn't um, we we should we should love the homosexuals or something like that? And f- the the media blows us up that the two options, if you're a Christian, are are uh, be a bigot and and uh, um, harass uh, homosexuals or to embrace their, their, their sin. Those are the only two possibilities if you're in the media. And so when the Pope comes along and says, hey, maybe we should just be decent people, <laughs> uh, they're like, oh, he's changing church doctrine. Um, so I thought you might put, but you know, I was watching this Lutheran satire video. Do you see this one with, where they're, make, where he's making fun of, uh, Pope Francis? Check it out on YouTube. Um, the Lutheran satire oh, on the, on the Hans Pope. was telling me about that yesterday. I yeah. And, and he, he has kind of the, he has the Pope kind of sloppily answering questions. And so be like, so you're changing church doctrine. And then the producer comes in and like fixes everything. Oh, I did no, I did see that. Yeah. I, that was a, that's an older one. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm kind of wondering if. I mean, if you're the Pope, you you got to know that the media is going to want to take what you say and twist it to their own advantage. And it's happened on multiple occasions that uh, what he has said has kind of been twisted in a particular way. And I can't help but wonder if that maybe isn't the Pope's intent, and yet he can still hide behind the facade of, well, this is still our church doctrine, you know? So, so perhaps it isn't so much that the media is doing this work to, to, to portray the Pope in a different way. It's that he likes that he can uh, bring out a new message, but still hide behind, well, this is still official church doctrine. You, you see what I'm saying? Yep, I do. So I don't know if that, that, that's a complete speculation, but that uh, came to me. Um, the other, the other thing that I thought you might talk about was uh, how the gospel is that God loves everyone, and as long as that message is getting out, it doesn't matter for the Catholic Church. Uh, now we have said many times before that the the gospel. I totally missed that. I was probably checking our Facebook page. <laughs> this, by the way, has over a thousand members now. This is why it's tough to get points on the predictable pastor when you're not even paying attention to the news. Yeah, that was predictable. To. That's the predictable part. Uh, we've <laughs> said many a time on this program that the gospel is not that God loves everyone. 
but rather that the gospel is that God loves everyone through Christ. And if you leave Christ out of the picture, then you are led to believe that God loves you simply because you're such a great person. The fact of the matter is you're not so great in your sin. Uh, You are an enemy of God deserving of his wrath and punishment. But in Christ, uh, clothed by the blood of Jesus, he does, in fact, love everyone because he's forgiven everyone of their sins. Yep. So, so much for that. But let's now translate some evangelicalisms. Um, we, <laughs> this is where we try to uh, bring a oh, little yeah. clarity, this game. clarity to the table. You know, we're all about clarity, and uh, we we uh, we know that it's it's a bit of a different language when you're hanging out with your uh, friends who are of the non-denominational or, or American evangelicalism, whatever you whatever label you want to apply to it. And uh, so we try to, to uncover the theology that's behind some of these phrases and to maybe understand them. So, Pastor, if you're ready, you're the translator today. Okay. The first one is, God is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- this word awesome, by the way, is an old word. Uh, and I think it's biblical, it's a right? good word. Yeah, awesome. I think you're right. I think you can find that word in the Bible. Uh, and it means probably something like full of awe, mm. or at least you got some awe. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Not exactly sure on the origin of the word, but it's taken into a new—because now it's just kind of a cool word. And I, I like the word awesome. That uh, The word awesome is awesome, I think. <laughs> uh, God is awesome is, is uh, just, though, a slangy way of saying God is great. Yeah, God is cool. God is cool. The, those, God is God is really great. Yeah. Those two ways of understanding the word awesome are kind of opposite ends, though. You know, I mean that that God is full of awe that uh, you know, He's the one that we uh, fear, love, and trust. Versus God is swell. <laughs> you know, God is wonderful. You know, yeah. um, it kind of reminds you that what was that hymn that we sing all the time? God is greater than. Football. Remember that? <laughs> I thought you'd forgotten about that's that. That's kind of that's kind of awesome. Okay, that hymn was awesome. I got this another one. Awesome. The next one is: We need to go be the church. <laughs> this is right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. This is the this is the new way of saying what is what got old twenty minutes ago, which was deeds, <laughs> not creeds. You remember that whole deeds, not creeds? Thing? Yeah. So cliches in the church are like praise songs. They are they. <laughs> They they are working at a rapid rate of decay. So now we got to be the church, which probably doesn't have much to do with what you believe, and ha- does have a lot to do with what you do. And I suspect that that doing of the being of the church probably looks like uh, loving your neighbor in particularly suburban uh, environmentalist ways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just guessing. I mean, I don't know if, uh, if being the church is going to involve, uh, you know, helping the poor. But here's, here's the problem I'm wondering about. Why does being the church always involve helping the poor, and rather than actually being the poor? <laughs> I mean, why is it that the church is always the rich side of things? Mm. It's kind of annoying. That's Because there's a lot of poor people who are the church. So we got to go be the church. Well, so we got to go help poor people. And they say, well, what about me? Because I am poor. I find it interesting. How can, I, how can I be the church? I find it interesting that when the Luther Confessions talk about the church, they're talking about, uh, you know, gathering around a shepherd's voice or where the word and sacraments are. Um, 
you know, small called and Augsburg Confession, respectively. So that being the church isn't a matter of doing, but it's a matter of receiving. And that is the difference between law and gospel. If be, being the church is the thing that you do, then uh, you're not the church because you're failing to to love the poor. You're failing to uh, to, to love the neighbor and, and all of this kind of thing. But if uh, we are the church by the gift of God and, and united in that gift in uh, uh, faith, which is bestowed to us through his holy word and through his sacraments, then we can say w- uh, with all certainty that we are the church because God has made us the church. God is the one who establishes the church, and he established it it amongst us where his gifts are placed. That's rather comforting, don't you think? Yeah, but boring. (laughs) True. Now go be the church. (laughs) We'll be right back after this break. Don't go away. Podcasting before it was cool. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Thankful for God's service through the pastors in your life? Then consider attending Christ for Us in the Office of the Holy Ministry, a conference of the Association of Confessing Evangelical Lutheran Congregations, this coming February 25th through 27th in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Visit our website at acelc.net for information on Christ for us in the Office of the Ministry. Register online at acelc.net. my microphone on. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> You're tearing it on, tearing it up with the bumps over there. That helps, doesn't it? Okay. Um, so let's do one more of these, Pastor Wolf. We're, we're translating evangelicalisms for your, this is a public service, isn't it, of Table Talk Radio? It is. Uh, That's trans- right. Yeah. We so. could come up with the book, Stuff Christians Say. That's what I'd call it. <laughs> if you have evangelicalisms, you need us to translate for you. Just email them in, questions at tabletalk. Radio.org is I feel the, the burden <laughs> for this people that don't know how to do this. Right. I have a burden on my heart. <laughs> I don't I don't hang around enough evangelicals. But who who was the other day? Oh yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> and you're like, what are you guys even talking about? Are we oh, is this America? <laughs> English, not evangelicalism. Here, this is not two language country. Getting all bent out of shape. I know. I, what I need to do <laughs> is, is put you on taking our job, <laughs> living off the government. <laughs> blah blah blah. That, that's that, that's a Jim Gaffigan quote about <laughs> whales. <laughs> living off the government. Nobody hates whales. Don't talk about whales around my dad. He goes off. <laughs> You are, by the way, going to go see him uh, live and in person in Colorado, huh? Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I'm already laughing just <laughs> thinking about <laughs> You're it. You're just going to walk in. <laughs> you, you're gonna get his, you should say after, uh, you should say, I'm the Lutheran version of you. That's what you should yeah, do. Yeah, that's right. I'm just like you, except for not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, same exact thing. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Here's the best Jim Gaffigan line ever. 
Elevator escalators really make you look down on stairs. You're nothing more than an organized hill. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Oh boy. Do you think you could have a, a like a, a mic with you and we could have a live broadcast during the Jim Gaffigan? Jordan, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Like, that joke was funny. <laughs> that one was funny. <laughs> Funniest man in the world. Yeah. I'm gonna go here. So far the best joke tonight. No, I, I think it would be good though if to, if if, uh, if I could just have you on speakerphone, have you down on the table during the meeting, and then you could be translating uh, what they're when saying. When you're meeting with evangelicals, yeah. So, um, you know, they say, you know, everything happens for a reason. Go. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is the leftover residence of Calvinism and the providential <laughs> care of God. That evangelicals have. What he means to say by that is, God has ordered this world, and we live in an ordered world. He doesn't mean to erase the duty of human sin <laughs> or the responsibility of human sin. <laughs> like that, I kind of whisper it, you know? Yeah, that'd be nice. In an ear, right, right in an ear piece. Ear. Yeah. yeah. You know, like when when they go to the UN, they got those things over their ears, so they're all arguing in their I'll own native language. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, that's, that's like right. the day of Pentecost, those little <laughs> ear things. <laughs> I'll be translating this sermon. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit earpiece. Um, now, I think it, I, I have noticed this, by the way. Um, that overwhelmingly the theology that's won in America is the um, the God of free will, right? So that you are, yeah. I mean, the, the the ball is in your court. You know, Jesus has served, and it's up to you to return the turn the the volley. And Ooh, nice uh, tennis metaphor. Thank you. And uh, and if you don't, then then salvation or damnation is all up to you. Your fault. And uh, yeah. and it's your good doing if you, if you however right. when it comes to everything else in the world you have this kind of uh convenient sovereignty right that, that just kind of i like that i'm gonna write that down the i mean it just kind of comes convenient in when you sovereignty. need it so that um you know uh, you know something uh, something happens you're like well that is the way that god god designed it well, okay, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm not here arguing that God is in control of, of everything, but it just comes in when it's convenient for you. Yeah, that's right. I'm praying and fasting. I, mean, to, so. I made, I, I made, I myself made the decision for Christ, but now I'm praying and fasting that the Lord would reveal to me what color socks. Exactly. I be yeah. So, <laughs> so here I am trying to decide if I want to buy um, uh, the car or the van. And God is the one who's leading me in the right direction. But when it came to my salvation, that was all up to me. I mean, that just doesn't I, I, I doesn't make sense to me. Now, why is that? I mean, is this is this partly kind of a? Um, um, I mean, you find you know we're talking in the last couple segments about agnostics. Uh, you have people who who are unbelievers, who are mystics, right? Because because there's something in your lives that's evident that you're frail and and mortal. And so what you fall back on then is that somehow this universe is going to uh, organize itself into a particular way, and that's comforting to me, right? But when it comes yeah, to my salvation, no, 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 it's all up to me. you got to decide. Right. Yeah, that's right. Ugh, okay. Yeah. God didn't make robots because then we couldn't love them. <laughs> Where in the world did that kind of thing come from? A robot can't love. What? Have you seen I, E.T.? I Come on. Yeah, I don't, that's not a that's an alien. Oh yeah. That's a total category <laughs> mistake. <laughs> of course aliens can love. You're a science fiction nimrod. My bad. It's robots we're talking about. It's like in the movie, I Robot. Remember that part? 
I just watched this movie, um, Frank and Robot, or Robot and Frank, I guess it's called. Have you seen that one? This guy's getting nope. old, and so uh, he's kind of showing the beginning stages of dementia. And so then and it's in the future, like, you know, 2054 or something like that. And so they're, uh, his kids get him a robot to take care of him. And uh, th- th- Frank, this, uh, this guy, has conspired with the robot to convince this robot to help him in crime. It's a great movie. <laughs> Does the robot love? Yes, he does, in fact. Oh, see? I knew the evangelicals were wrong. <laughs> now, I don't know. What I know is this, is that the, because they say the freedom to, to reject God is the basis of love, and but that seems to me to be an <laughs> utterly despairing kind of thought, because in heaven, I surely will be done with the option of sinning and not choosing God, and hopefully I will be just beginning to learn how to love him. Is that not true? But you've chosen here on earth. Oh, yeah. So the choice gets locked in. At least I chose one. So my, my, my heavenly, perfect, in the resurrection love for God is all dependent on my one choice that I made here. Lord, save us. Hmm. I mean, that just is a despairing sort of... So here, But here's the problem. It comes down to a bad anthropology. That is to say that um, original sin has not sunken all the way in. It hasn't gone all the way down, so mm-hmm. you retain some sort of spark of ability to do good, uh, and that is the anthropological basis of the decision for Christ and the free will towards the things of God, etc. Right. It it's and it creeps in everywhere. I mean, this is the one of those same points where the evangelicals and the Roman Catholics are the same, exactly the same. You're sick, but you're not dead, according to the freedom of your will. That's what the Pope says. That's what the evangelicals say. That's what everybody says, but the Lutherans and and our Calvinist friends over there. Yeah, I think it's nice. So. Speaking of them, Theopedia. Let's get going on this game, huh? Um, okay. So we're going to pull up a random article. I'll, uh, let's see, how much time do we have? We have about uh, two and a half minutes left. Whoa. So I'll do a quick one first, and you pull one up for me. Uh, this is Got one here. A Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, nice. And it nice. starts out giving the uh, Pentecostal view. It says... Uh, Pentecostal theology teaches the baptism in the Holy Spirit, or baptism with the Holy Spirit, as a, a definite experience not identical with conversion. That is to say, it is both distinct from and subsequent to salvation, though it may occur immediately. While all believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit refers to the first time the believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. This does not mean, however, that the believer will be permanently filled with the Holy Spirit, but he is to uh, is to seek to be filled when he is not. That is so. You so you are like the cup of coffee that I had at Panera Bread. Uh, ironically, the next section says glass of water. Pentecostals often use the analogy of a glass with water. The believer is the glass, and the water is the Holy Spirit. Is this what you're saying? There you go. All all believers have the Holy Spirit. The glass always has some water as long as they are believers. Some believers have more water than others. Oh, my goodness. Uh, You know, have more power influence of the Holy Spirit. But they are not completely filled with water. The believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit is the glass that is completely filled with water. He is completely under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And the first time this happens is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You remember how our friends, the Hindus, talk about how 
the we are like the spark that's been shot out of the flame, but it's on its way back into the flame. Mm, Remember mm-hmm, that for mm-hmm. our. This is the picture that we should have of the Pentecostals. So the spark shot out of the flame. The flame is the Roman Catholic Church. The spark shot out of it and became Calvinists, <laughs> then became Anabaptists, <laughs> then became enthusiasts, and then became Pentecostals, which means you're about to fall right back into the flame of Roman Catholicism because of this whole idea of infused grace. And the idea of infused grace and the second baptism of the Holy Spirit is almost precisely the same theological construct, it, it, that you are a vessel uh, and that the Holy Spirit now is, in, is filling you in order to give you power to do good works. I mean, it's, it's just exactly the same and dangerous. Whenever Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he makes it pretty clear that, that, these, that these gifts are given uh, in different times and different places for different reasons and that they're not universal that the universal gifts of the Spirit are, are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's the gifts that we're p- to pursue. Indeed. And that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like hiring Pope Francis to be your accountant. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. You get it? Table Talk get Radio it? is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. <laughs> That's inappropriate. Nice. That's inappropriate. <laughs> It's classy up in here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it. And I need right.